Um, what boys. is what's your deal with Poland? You're always mad at Poland. <laughs> That's not true. I'm not usually I'm pretty indifferent to Poland, but Poland's really like Poland is doing hard line like only white Ukrainian refugees allowed. Yeah, I saw that. That was kind of fucked. Yeah, I mean, they're not the only ones, but it's very in line with Poland's general refugee policy. And they're like doubling down on it at like a really bad time. What? Who's in charge of Poland? Um, I don't uh, know. Polish Pol- people? This yeah. fucking joker. Yeah, fucking a Polish guy and a fucking racist one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can just do that? They can just say whites only? They've been saying whites <laughs> only for a minute. And then everyone was like, well, they're not going to do that for the Ukrainians. They were like, oh, you thought? <laughs> you thought we wouldn't? Because <laughs> we will. Yeah. Can we say gamers only? Yeah, I, I mean, wish. I mean, we can say it. Can we enforce it? We would need a whole Poland. <laughs> That's the question, audience. Do we have enough of a Poland? Dude, one of the coolest things I've ever seen on Twitch was uh, XQC trying to uh, <laughs> figure out what to do with refugees <laughs> like oh, no. on stream, and he oh, no. he accidentally proposed the idea of a internment camp, like. <laughs> He was just like, what if we just, because everybody if we, like, hates I these refugees. A, a cage. Yeah, <laughs> no, seriously. He was like, well, everybody hates these refugees. So what if we all just got them together on like an island and then we all just left them there. And then like th- they, they couldn't leave. And also like other people didn't have to talk to them. And somebody's like, that's, a, you're thinking of an internment camp. You're thinking of like a, a prison. <laughs> like, yeah. You want to make a prison island for refugees is yeah. what you're saying. You just invented a Geneva Convention violation, my man. <laughs> yeah. Like, great mm-hmm. work. But it's not his fault. Those happen every day in GTA roleplay. That's true. That's yeah. true. What a wild world. I, I love XQC because uh, he is like pure of heart uh and really dumb and yeah. like so just just like you know like you see some celebrities and you're like oh they're like an idiot they don't deserve their wealth or something it's like xqc like fundamentally is like he's like one of the most watched streamers on the entire internet and he's just a guy uh mm. and it's it's very funny when he he dips his his toes into trying to learn anything about the news yeah. um and it's something that all of the Twitch streamers have been doing. It, it seems like even the non-politics ones have decided to like do coverage um, on the topic because it's like it's gotten that big that it's like you're yeah. going to hear like it was really funny to be like to see Asmongold stream say World War Three dot 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 lost arc later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's 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 so stupid right now, dude. Dude, it's especially I feel like international relations and like war politics, all these people who played like some command and conquer back in the day feel like they have a really strong grasp of or like yeah, they've played like thirty hours of total war and they're like, I understand what this is and it's like There's a guy on Twitter who was like, I have over ten thousand hours in uh world of uh, tanks. So this is how you de- this is how you disable a T thirty four. You have to shoot it in this specific area. Yeah, and it's like, yo, it's not it does it's not a one-to-one translation, but the number of people who like don't intuitively understand that it's not a one-to-one translation is so funny. Yeah. Oh my god. Some of the worst armchair people are actual like quote unquote like veterans from like, you know, the like uh you know from like Iraq or something like that. And it's like, brother, 
like you were the invading army there. This is not a one to one. Like Damn, you don't have to call like, out Rowdy like that on the show. Yeah, get fucked, dude. <laughs> Listen, Rowdy, he's, he hasn't been answering my DMs. Oh. I've been sending him very funny things. And you know what? <laughs> I'll, sell him, I'll sell him down the river. Dude, you just fell right into Trump voice. I've been selling, <laughs> sending him very funny things. He's, com- he's coming back. I, you can feel him. Yeah, he's in the air tonight. Um, that's what Phil Collins was talking about. <laughs> exactly. A prophecy. Yeah, a dark one. Um, well, look. Here's the thing. We love prophecies. We love witchcraft. But most importantly, this is the Game Boys podcast, a podcast about video games. I'm one of your hosts, and my name is Lux. Uh, And I am another one of your hosts, and my name is Griffin. And of course, we are always joined by uh, President Haley Zelensky. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The name heard around the world. Yeah. Uh, She's going to have the podcast once she's done liberating Kiev from the grasp of the Russian bear. <laughs> She's just like imagine just like Haley in like ten different photos just holding guns. <laughs> Dude, I just awesome. saw this tweet right now. Haley has a confirmed forty-five kills over there right now. It's nuts. Oh my god! Are you sure it's not footage from uh, Call of Duty? <laughs> she's playing confirmed kills and she's just scooping up all the dog tags. It's it's nuts. Yeah, I, I saw the I saw the viral pic of her with like the forty dog tags hanging around her neck, just weighing her down. <laughs> There's a there's a there is a there is a weird grainy gif of her like knifing the wall to move faster. (laughs) Um, But it's not only Haley who's joining us because that's as always, but not as always. In fact, not for a, a, a too long of a time. Have we had this guest? He's back. You love him. We love him. It's Hunter Edwards. He's here. Hello, reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our, uh, uh, I went our, to I went to rehab for a year. And now I'm back, and uh, I'm not sober anymore, and that's why I'm on the podcast. Yeah, and you went it's to rehab so good to be back. You went to rehab for a year to learn how to stop being sober. That's right. Yeah, yeah. now yeah, you're back. I'm I'm glad Lux did the math for me there because I wasn't able to. Yeah, uh, yeah I went to rehab because I was like, I hate being uncomfortable in public situations. <laughs> and they were like, try weed, and you were like, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't now know. I'm funny no matter what I say. <laughs> That's really all we need um, <laughs> is that sort of uh, broad confidence. Yeah. yeah, white male comedians. One thing they need uh, a bigger general sense of entitlement and confidence. We all got it, and that's why we're all doing well for ourselves. Uh, hey, Hunter's true. not white. He's a gamer, and that's why he's Kona Poland. That's right. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's bring it back around. So this conversation makes even less sense. Uh, Hunter, how you doing, man? How's it been? Um. I've been doing good. Uh, just busy life stuff in general. Uh, but yeah, just chilling and um, excited to get back out there to see real people again. It does kind of feel like, I don't know, it just feels like life is kind of returning. I mean, the California mandate is is on now well i guess it's not a mandate but like we don't have to wear masks anymore and i oh, it started wait, today and i've already really? seen nobody wear masks yeah oh, yeah <laughs> wait it, wait really this is a thing right now well it's like they're they're like it's encouraged but you places and public oh. businesses are not going to be able to enforce that you have to wear a mask wow so then what do i get in a fight with the gamestop security guard about 
I think just uh-huh. your, your, your rights, your rights <laughs> in a more man. abstract sense, I think. Yeah, I have to make it more abstract. Yeah, I feel like that might have been motivated by something else. He was like, you have to pay for those Funko Pops. And you were like, that's what are you third, Fourth Amendment, search and seizure. You can't take yeah. these from me. Um, word, yeah, I did. It is weird. It, fucking Texas has been like opened up, but no one in Austin like wants to, it to be opened up, except now the levels are getting low enough that there's enough public consensus that it's okay. So now, like, all of a sudden, my friends are like, You want to go see a show? You want to go to this party? And it's like, Yeah, zero to 60 so quick. And the answer is like, for me, like, it's just been like, Yes, I've just missed doing things so bad that I'm like, Yeah, I'll go to a fucking show, I'll get COVID mm-hmm. and, and throw yeah. up all day or whatever. It kind yeah, of feels not- like where we're at now, right? It's like, I remember how starkly how like in stark contrast when it first happened everybody was we used to like wipe shit down with like clorox and stuff and now it's like i never did I feel that. like it's being treated like chicken pox it's like well if you haven't gotten it yet you have to get it right yeah like, and yeah there's almost like a it reminds me of uh, in that X-Men comic that I've talked about where all the kids are getting killed on purpose so that they can get reborn. It just feels like, oh, you haven't gotten fucking COVID yet, you little coward. You little yeah. you little baby. You want your little baby haven't gotten COVID? Go out there. Come on. Be a, be a real grown-up. Uh, I, I mean, feel weird. I, I still haven't gotten it. So. Me neither. I, I mean, I listen. It's like, well, that, that attitude really sprung up, not just from, like, people being over it, but when the fact that everyone fucking got it with the Omicron one or whatever. That yeah. one, like, even if you were, like, fully double, triple vaxxed, you know, pretty much everyone got it. Like, a large majority of people on the planet. And then it was over. And then it's like, yeah, like, there is now a new herd mentality with it. And, you know, life has to go on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think the big problem with this is that a lot of people's hobbies and things they enjoy involve seeing or being around other people. And my hobby is just smoking cigarettes. So I've been totally safe yeah. this whole time and it's been great. Yeah, I, uh, I'm getting back into 40K like in person, which has been really nice because I've been having to play a tabletop simulator to even like attempt to do it. And it it just doesn't <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. So. It's it's it, tough. From like a purely nerdy standpoint, I am excited to like uh roll dice and have my little army men kill somebody else's little army men. Yeah, I'm very excited also that Magic the Gathering pre-releases are coming back cuz that's always been a major uh, income source for me. And so <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I will say that's that's been a big thing for me this month as I spent like $600 on Magic the Gathering this month. Yeah, the just fucking, on the new set. What you got to do if you're nice with the game and you're good at sealed, you got to just go to pre-releases and go to as many as you can. And you'll probably end up winning a couple of them and getting a couple of the rare cards that just hand out. And then you immediately just go and sell all of those and just like spend a hundred bucks to make like seven, 800. And it happens every couple of months. It's nice to just pay your rent by playing magic, the gathering. Yeah, no, th- that doesn't happen to me. I, I treat it like uncut gems. I buy it all up yep. and then I try to si- sell it for the highest dollar and I refuse to back down. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're crying a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of crying. There is a a, a lot of regret. Yeah. Uh, I and just Kevin Garnett's around anyway. all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know what? He's giving a decent performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Kevin Garnett shows up and is like, "Ooh, is that a cold? Is that a cold foil fucking black lotus?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen. When some people hear about uh, impending nuclear holocaust in World War Three, they buy bullets, they buy supplies. Hunter he buys six hundred dollars worth of cards. Hunter, like, hey, you know, buys shocklands. <laughs> Those listen, might actually Fallout. be more rare. 
I've played Fallout. Who knows? It's going to be cards. I'm telling you. It's not going to be caps. It's going to be cards. I guarantee it. You're right. And then all of a sudden you'll have like really valuable currency. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we all saw that tweet where the guy was like, look, you can survive a nuclear war with a positive attitude. (laughs) I did see that today. (laughs) Yeah. So all we got to do is keep our spirits up and then we'll all have the cards and then the war happens and then fucking wear the Jeff Bezos. It's it's shit like that where I'm like, I hope a nuclear bomb falls specifically on you. (laughs) Like just a beelines it just straight towards you, dude. Uh, No, I I, I wish him a slower and more protracted death <laughs> well, I like that's kind of like crazy it, i like it to be a cartoon where like the bomb is aimed at him and he's running around and yeah. it's chasing him and he's like going upstairs and the bomb like opens the door and it's like dressed as a salesman yeah. uh-huh like, yeah that's... it'll be like a tex avery cartoon where he's trying to mm-hmm. run away from the shadow yeah exactly <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um speaking of running away should we just segue straight into the game of the time because it is such a game Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're talking about uh Wordle. We're doing a full episode. We've literally uh, already talked about Yo, so I haven't played Wordle uh I can't even talk. I haven't played Wordle and I don't even know what it is. Is but everybody is like crack addicted to this thing. I don't understand it. It's just like a perfect game to play while you drink coffee and smoke a cigarette in the morning, or will you take a shit in the morning, or if it's a particularly hard Wordle during both of those parts of your morning. Oh. It's just like a five letter word puzzle. So it's like really easy to do one in the morning. You get one a day and then you just do it. And then you post it to your little group chat and everyone goes, wow, you're so smart. And then uh, everyone is happy. Griffin, do you play Wordle? No, I'm, I'm politically against it. I, <laughs> I, I took some, I took some time away from politics okay. and I've come and I've come back with a new identity <laughs> and platform based solely on anti wordle. I hate the little gnomes that yeah. play it and they put their little tiles on the timeline. I've, I've been known to say Griffin's this. saying that's his cause, but the real thing is he was wordle agnostic until they took slave out of the game. <laughs> and now, now that you can't use slave as a guess, uh, Griffin's just absolutely anti wordle. I'm pro history. <laughs> I see. Well, this is all adding up. So yeah, no, you know, it, it checks. It checks. But it um, checks. It's checking all the boxes. Yeah, but the real, the real story of today is fucking Elden Ring, folks. My God, uh, I'm playing with two folks who are probably much better at this game than me and have more in-depth thoughts. But this game fucking rules. Oh boy! Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And Hunter, thank you for accepting my invitation to do this five minutes ago. <laughs> hey, any chance to talk about the greatest game ever made? I'll uh, gladly wow. do that. And I'm glad that we're saying that right off the top. The greatest, huh? I'm, le- I'm letting people know exactly how I feel about this game from the very beginning. I've, I've just been going around. I had a job interview this week and they asked me at the very beginning how my week's been going. And I talked about Elden Ring for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you got the job. I, I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how transcendent this is. This is this is like the Skyrim of of 2022. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah. I had a one on one with our boss today, Griffin, and we just talked about Elden Ring for 15 minutes, and like five of those minutes were him telling me where a cool staff is that he thought would be good for my build. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's every time, baby. <laughs> it's crazy. We're, ma- we're we're making a video on Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, damn right we are. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> fucking i'm so excited about that but yeah it's it's it really might be in it is it is one of the it's like the opposite of cyberpunk in some ways in the sense that it is so on face ambitious but instead of having a bunch of problems it just like does it 
Well, I, I don't, I don't want to trample on too much here, but I, so like two weeks ago I bought cyberpunk cause it was on, it was half off and they were advertising the new patches. Like we did it, we fixed it. And they, there's so much wrong with that game outside of it just being a, a buggy mess. Like the entire time that they've advertised that game, it's always been, you can make whoever you want and you can be whoever you want. The first three hours of the game, <laughs> you're on rails. You can't, you can't go right if you want to you can only go down the path that is immediately laid out in front of you and you do that for the first three hours and they have like little clever excuses for why you can't like your friend that they force you to have steals your car and so like, yeah. you can't drive around but like the advertising for the game uh i yeah i just throw it out the window i just like i throw all the hype all the advertising out the window and i can really analyze what's there but um, um well, this is coming from, like, like, I've also played Cyberpunk, like, the tabletop. I am a massive nerd, so I've played, like, the mm-hmm. tabletop version. So I came into it, and this is by the guys who made Witcher. And in The Witcher 3, specifically, in that starting village, if you go right instead of left, you will immediately fight something that is, like, level 30 and will kill you. But you can do that, which I always really appreciated. Like, you'll get slapped, but, like, you could do that. You can't do that in cyberpunk and it feels like it's this illusion of choice instead of actual choice. Whereas in Elden Ring, it's what I appreciate about something being open world is that, yeah, if you want to go south at the beginning of the game, you can go south. You can keep going south and nothing really stops you. Um, You go east and nothing really stops you. You're not really put on a path. And that's what I I mean, it's it's shit I've been saying about open world stuff, not actually being open world. It just immediately alleviates that in like the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Elden ring is in fact so open at its intro that one could, I don't know if they were an idiot, absolutely not notice and then skip the tutorials. Yes. Um, (laughs) that could, that could happen to someone, uh, if they were dumb, me, it happened to me. Also me. Uh, I killed, I killed Marguerite and then I found some tutorial stuff. (laughs) <laughs> nice hell yeah oh margaret we love him but yeah it's it, the, hunter i think that is the the truest like kind of thing about it is that you really can go anywhere and everywhere has stuff and is interesting and like feels rewarding to explore even if you go somewhere and just get like your ass fully waxed instantly yeah it's mm-hmm. fucking so sick and it just like it looks so fucking good it plays so fucking fun Um, Yeah, and we'll get into all those specifics, but yeah, just on like a sort of on the level of cultural reception of it, it has been pretty amazing that a game this difficult is being played by so many people. I did see yesterday a Steam statistic that said that like about 43% of Steam users hadn't beaten Marguerite yet, Um, which is pretty significant, um, but only if you viewed the game in a certain lens. I mean, um, I can give you another cool little crunchy statistic. The please. the release date on PC, uh, Elden Ring had a Twitch viewer count of 85,000. Oh, sorry. 850,000 p- viewers on Twitch and a Souls game. I think it was maybe Dark Souls 3 has only ever had a peak viewership of 250,000. Really? Yeah. So That sounds crazy. I mean, just like even by Souls metrics, the people who want to play this game, it's like astronomic. 
Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that like George R. R. Martin had anything to do with this? Because I, I feel like he doesn't even know this game exists. <laughs> um, maybe. I also just think that we are living in a weird age right now where people are more open and receptive to doing new things. Like we even have, um, I don't want to name names, but like, you know, I've seen people who like, don't really play video games want Name to them. play this game. Um, my freaking dad and mom. No, I don't know. Um, just yeah, like but the people, people who don't, aren't super interested in that's why I said video Skyrim. Games. It's the Skyrim. Yeah. Like everyone you knew tried Skyrim, a big open world RPG that typically you wouldn't expect them to even try. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think it's really neat that, I mean, I've been playing souls games since demon souls, on the PlayStation. And uh, I think it's just been really cool to see people kind of, I think that's kind of one of the benefits of COVID is just that people have been more open and receptive to doing things because I think it's kind of reminded people that uh, time is limited and you should try and experience everything you can try and experience in life. And you should absolutely play a dark souls game before you die at least once. So yeah, it's, I, and, I think it's cool. And yeah, it's that that element of it's really cool. And I think one part of this that I think really is great is that like every Dark Souls or like from software game, including like Sekiro and Bloodborne, have sort of like specific play styles the game kind of wants you to engage with. Like it's not mandatory, but like mm-hmm. Bloodborne was pretty role centric, Sekiro is pretty parry centric. Various Dark Souls games have like emphasized shield shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this really opens up the space where like everything kind of works. Um, yeah. And you get to go out into the world and figure shit out. Like I definitely didn't. I, one of my big complaints about games that we talked about this podcast for is that like, I think the culture of optimization that exists sucks that it's like so easy to just like Google best way to play game and then just do it. And I think that that's boring and, and not fun to me. So I went into it with like zero build idea or like sense of what I was doing and just kind of fucked around and played with shit until I stumbled into a build that was really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And in other Souls games that I've played, that's not really a viable way to play the game. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely some things about the game that I think will newcomers will have a better time playing the game once more information about the game comes out. Uh, because like certain things in terms of like building your character stat wise, that stuff actually is good to have a plan early because there are some end game stuff that like requires so many points that you really need to prepare for it. And I think that like newcomers will have a much more fun time once a bunch of YouTube videos are out about this game, but there isn't right now. It's kind of like the wild west, which is super, super fun. Well, I feel Uh, the opposite about that because I feel like one of the perks of a souls game and specifically this game and i would say this game more so than any other that fromsoft has made is is its replayability um like going through it the first time on like your maiden voyage is really fun and exciting and then coming back again full circle again and doing something completely different and having it be just as successful is equally rewarding um 
And I kind of dig where it's at right now. I think. Yeah, but that's because you played a bunch of the games before just to push back. But most people who have never played this before are going to spread their skill points out. They're going to be like, let me put a few in intellect, a few in strength, a few in dex. And they're going to be like, why is my character so shitty? Uh, and they're going to be like, why can't I use any of these weapons? So that these are actual structural things about Dark Souls games in particular that newcomers yeah, don't so know about. So I'm so yeah, I would, I'm that. kind of weird hunter I, on this though, because like I'm playing like a weird all arounder guy, because mm -hmm. I'm just fucking around and goofing off, and I'm having a great time. And then occasionally, like I have to grind or farm to like be able to use a certain item or something. But like that's whatever, and I'm having a lot of fun just like experimenting and finding it. And I think you're right that in general, especially if you're trying to like be good, good at these games, you do have to have those kind of builds. But I think the open worldness of this game, the ability to like. Grinding in this game is more fun than grinding in almost any other game that I've played because there's so much shit to find that grinding mm. just means like going out on a weird adventure for a while. And so it's yeah, totally fine when I like can't use like this cool faith item that I found because I can just go and grind for a while and like explore the southeast and gain three or four levels spec up in faith and be like, all right, let's see what this thing's like. Um, I, and I think that's really good. What I should say is. I do agree with you, Griffin. I, I do feel like the the. I mean, uh, there was somebody on Facebook who was like, what do you mean I can't pause? And it's like, well, I've known that you can't <laughs> pause since forever. Yeah. So I do agree that there is going to be some d big uh, growing pains for a lot of people mm -hmm. that have never played these kinds of games before. And I do think once more videos are out, maybe the more very new people, maybe it'll be an, a more easier experience for them. But I would hope that that doesn't stop people from playing the game right now, I guess is what I'm trying totally. to say. I would, because I mean, I've talked to people who have never played a souls game before in, in their entire life. And I would say, this is the one that you want to play it. A souls game has never been easier, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but still really hard in some instances, but they've kind of taken out, they've taken out the gut punch that the old souls games used to have. where like, you would have to, once you got to the boss and you did die, then you'd have to backtrack at least like 10 minutes just to get back to the boss. There was no fast travel. There was no flame right before the boss. And the fact that movement and doing the things that you want to do is now way more fluid and easy to do. I feel like that was the biggest hurdle for newer people outside yeah. of boss difficulty. But like when you die, it really sucked because you lost everything and you had to run back. But now it's like not that big of a kick in the pants because you're there's right a lot back. Of fast travel points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and then there's a bonfire in front of every boss now. So you're just like, you're there already. Yeah. Like so. today, a good example of sort of speaking to that or the value of the fast travel in particular, not so much the boss thing is that like I found this area, the Academy gate town couldn't really figure out, how to get in any of these sunken ass buildings killed all the weird little goblin men patrolling them like explored the area couldn't solve the puzzle and was like oh guess i'll leave and just like fast travel to a different area and was like now i'm gonna go do a different thing um and that's like to me what makes this game so awesome is that like you never have to just sort of pause the adventure to figure to like do stuff like you can always be exploring something or doing something cool um and that's so exciting and on the character build stuff I'm finding items that I know are going to be central to my next playthrough. Like I found the weird like beast sigil and the death root guy. You feed them death roots and gives you cool beast spells. I'm not playing a faith build. 
um because i'm a fucking atheist baby <laughs> um but uh i like in the future probably will play it again with a faith build and we'll use that thing because it looks fucking super cool yeah, of course. Yeah. If people, if you love the game, there's a lot to like get from, from double playthroughs, but, uh, that leads me to like, let's try to not jump around too much, but like focus on certain elements of the game. Like the, the, this is the first open world dark souls game. And I think a lot of times, like when people try their first open world game, there's like something there, but they don't always hit it. But like, they not only made an open world game, but they like set new standards for like, how much stuff can be on a map open world secrets just the scale and sort of the way that you look out across the lands and Mm -hmm. see so many points of interest almost to the point where it's overwhelming yeah i i mean i had told you this earlier but as a souls guy like they I don't know if it's just general bias, but this is the best realization of an open world I've ever seen. Like, um, they it's it's denser than Breath of the Wild. Like, like it's it has more going on than those than those maps. Yeah. But and mechanically, it keeps on surprising you. But mechanically, like it's not open world in bunny ears. You know what I mean? It is truly an open world and you really like even GT uh, GTA has always kind of talked up its open worldness, right? But you are still kind of like limited to the areas like GTA five. You're kind of like in one pocket of LA or sorry, San Andreas for like a good chunk of time. And in Elden Ring, it, does not feel like that at all. Like, you know, there's bosses and stuff, but it doesn't feel like these fake invisible walls are put up for me. Right. Like it's a real legitimate wall. It is a giant boss that I have to kill if I want to see what's on the other side of the bridge. Um, and once I kill that boss, I can do that, but it's not like this kind of like made up illusion of boundaries and stuff like that, that open world's, in games particularly tend to have sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible how much of that there is and like how true the freedom feels. And I think where you, the the breath of the wild comp, I think is appropriate because breath of the wild. And we've talked about this and how much I love this, that in breath of the wild, one of the design philosophies is like, if there's a mountain, we want there to be stuff on top of the mountain so that people who play the game say, I want to climb the mountain and see what's up there. Um, and that's definitely true in Elden Ring, but Elden Ring puts two wrinkles on it that are really great. One is that sometimes on your way to the mountain, a dragon will just show up or something. And that's like a whole new problem. Like just the act of traversing the map comes with threat and stakes, which makes every adventure like that way more intense and fun. And second is there's not always something on top of the mountain. Like the game will yeah. fuck the game will fuck you sometimes. <laughs> but like there might be and the stakes of how good things can be and how much you need things make it so it's worth the risk. Like I spent, Mm -hmm. I spent about 30 minutes earlier today trying to jump off a cliff and land on a tree branch. So I could jump to another tree branch. So I could jump to the top of a building so I could run around and see if there's anything there. And there was nothing. I spent like 30 minutes dying over and over again, doing these crazy (laughs) stunts to try and get some shit. Cause I was like, there's gotta be something cool here. Right. This area is crazy. And there just like wasn't anything in that zone. 
Um, yeah, but it was fun to just do. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was fucking awesome. I'm going to keep trying to get back there because I feel like I still must have missed something because I'm like obsessed yeah. with the idea there's a thing there. There's so much height to this open world as well. Like so many different levels. Like, you know, I think in so many video game maps, you can kind of see pretty straight across in most of the open world settings. But pretty much every area of the game is fucked up and and like with these like craggy rocks and like weird levels and depths that when you see something in the distance, you ride to it and then there's like, an impossible way to get around. And then you're seeing five other things. Um, and so there's just so much to do. And, you know, I, I do want to comment on, on this sort of in a way that I, it's not a negative thing, but I don't know. When I play Dark Souls games, I want to kind of eventually have the map be like imprinted in my brain as I'm running through it. But the just v sheer vastness of this map and how big it really unwraps and gets as you get deeper into the story. It's like, I don't think I'll ever be able to remember all of it. And so I am going to have a different relationship with it because of that. Um, even though all the areas are really unique and like feel very handmade and not copy pasted and various and surprising. I just, I'm like, I feel almost like sick sometimes while I'm playing it, like hung over or like, oh, like I'm going to throw up from just how big it is and like my attempts to remember it. Damn, Griffin confronting the Kantian sublime. <laughs> um, yeah, it's no, tough. It's real. It is real. Like it, the game is like overwhelming and like a really like the way that like good art is like not just the size of the game, but just like there are moments where like you find this elevator near an Erd tree and spend two minutes on this crazy ride down. And suddenly you're in this crazy cave full of crystals and weird zombie men. And the color palette is totally different and everything has changed. And you realize there's a whole ass underground world along with this giant overworld. And like your mind just like falls out of your fucking head. It's like, and there's moments like that all over the place or just like even can, can I do a can I do a map spoiler? Sorry, you go first. You know, but, yeah, I'm going to close my ears because I, <laughs> I don't want to hear. <laughs> um, well, you guys have both got into the Godric fight, right? No, I haven't. I don't even know who I, that I, is. I, yeah. Yeah. I beat Godric. <laughs> okay, then I haven't I, beat Margaret yet because I'm doing fucking two daggers and I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> hey, I was my problem with Margaret was that I was also doing a short range quick build and it was a fucking mega hassle. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it sucked. I just got my friend Kyle, who was really high level, to show up and kill him for me, and then I <laughs> moved on. For sure, because um, I fucking for work, man. Got to research this game. Yeah, but but spoil it. It's fine. I'm a yeah. big boy. Fucking I'm a man. there's the Godric fight. Like this is the moment I popped the heart so far. Is that Godric just pulls off his cape before you fight him, and reveals the shape of his body, which is like a bajillion nasty arms, and. I just like pop like a fucking freak. Like there's so much of that kind of shit. I'm just like really cool moments of like this rules fucking exciting game design shit that like, and like aesthetic design and art design that like the whole experience just feels like it's never not worth it. Even if I'm dying a million times, like I always know that a cool thing is around the corner at all times, which is a pretty unique experience in video games. Um, so 
it's yeah so there's there, there's that element the open world thing is like not only like they're not only nailing the genre but i think they are redefining what's possible in a lot of ways in the genre um which is very cool to see after it's like just an onslaught of games like this um all there are side quests but there is no journal there is no side quest markers uh, it's really up to you to remember what to do there and to, to, to figure it out. Um, but they are clearer than they ever have been before. Like some of the shit in Bloodborne is so obtuse in terms yeah. of what you have to do that it's like, how could you do it without YouTubers telling you what to do? I'm, and I, I do, think they're striking a better balance here. I do miss that a little bit because, again, I, I am kind of from the era where it's it like whenever a new souls game would come out, you would just spend the first month on a, a forum just being like, Hey, do you know this sword? If you hold it and the moon is out and you have this many souls that you actually turn into a werewolf. And like, that was super cool. Now the swords will tell you that it does that. But like back, you know, in, in the earlier souls games, you kind of had to find that out. There's still stuff like that is what I'm finding out in the game, which I do think is really cool. But, um, I did kind of like that the weapons all kind of had like a, a weird mystery about them or, or whatever. I guarantee you there is a lot of weird obtuse mystery still in there, but <laughs> okay, there cool, is cool. going to be some side quests that are more straightforward. And I appreciate that. I think that's really fun. Well, I saw, I did a side quest where I helped this noble guy retake his fort. Um, and it was just kind of a fun little thing. I was like, Oh, this is a little, this is very clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, Griffin loves so, the aristocracy. I love helping nobles. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, it's like, this game has like completely changed my opinion of other games. Like I was watching somebody play dying light Two the other day. And there's this whole scene where like, they're just like on rails stuck in a cutscene for like 30 minutes in an elevator. And mm-hmm. then it spits you out into a room full of zombies and they all start killing all your friends. And then they push the your friend pushes you back into the elevator and then you wake up and then you come back out into the lobby to fight the zombies and i was like why wouldn't you just fight the zombies right there like there's there's no cutscenes in any of these games you just like it it's just gonna throw 300 guys at you like and you have to deal with it and you don't have any friends and you don't have any yeah it's just you and then it's like when i was as i was watching it too i was just like Okay, so you're just kind of like fighting the one guy. There should be like you're just fighting the one guy and then you go to the next room that's like definitely highlighted and it tells you to go to this room and all that stuff. But there's all these doors. Why don't any of these doors open? I don't I don't know. It's just like it's kind of like just proving that you can actually do a lot with a video game if you put the time and effort into it and you don't have to keep (laughs) you don't have to keep putting out unfinished products and then charging people $20 three months later for like the rest of the game. Yeah. It does feel like like we've kind of gotten into this point now where like DLC is just kind of like, well, I have to buy it. (laughs) Yeah. And sad. It's so funny because I, I already know that like a bunch of companies are going to be like, how do we get Elden ring type hype on our game? And they're going to be like, Oh, it has to be open world. It has to be nasty or whatever. It has to be weird. And the actual answer is like you're saying, Hunter, it has to be a whole game. <laughs> yeah, you have to make a video game. Sorry to break it to you guys, <laughs> yeah, but you can't just like, like, actually like I feel like companies now are spending more money. I honestly was not going to get Elden Ring until like a week before the game came out. And I was like, it is a Souls game. I love these games. I'm going to buy it. 
and then I bought it, and it's the best game I've ever played. But that's because I didn't even really see anything about Elden Ring. I barely saw any commercials, I, any of that shit. When Cyberpunk was coming out, there was, like, fucking Twitch streams that were, like, lore. They were doing fucking tabletop adventures. They were putting out a new book. There was talks of a movie. There was an article every week. All you could fucking think about was this game. And then it came out, and everybody bought it because... Typical advertising is you tell somebody 200 times to buy something, they will buy it. And it sucked. And they knew it sucked. Um, Cyberpunk was uh, game of the year when it came out. Glitches included. I mean, but that my favorite thing about this game is that it is a return to what video games should be. You should be talking to your friends at work. Hey, did you find this? crazy mace no i didn't know that was there oh yeah you do that that's i mean fuck that's also do I, you play elden ring <laughs> yeah well there's that too but it's like you know maybe i'm getting old in my years but when i was a kid that's like that's how you played like diablo 2 specifically i don't even fucking know what runes were and then somebody had to explain it to me and then i was like oh that just completely opens up something else in this game i knew nothing about no totally like and that also helps the longevity of a game going for. I don't know. It's I, I don't want to get too. Uh, I don't want to ramble on too much here. I don't want to take your guys's time. No, but, I mean, this uh, is a really good point, though, because I think it applies to games even beyond like the souls like or RPG or whatever format. Like the fact that it's a whole game and it's complete and I thought out and like dense means that you can talk to anyone who plays the kind of games that you play, whether that's like this kind of game or a dating sim or a sports sim or a strategy game or a puzzle game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's clear conversations to be had about experiences and things that happen that you don't get when games are coming out 35% finished. <laughs> well, like, you know, and then it's also like, Hey, did you play cyberpunk? Yeah. Did you shoot that guy? Yeah, I had to, we all did. We all had to shoot that guy. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in this, it's like, Hey, did you play dark souls? What direction did you go in when the game first started? And you will get a completely different answer and a completely different beginning to the game than anybody else that has played the game. I have not seen a single person repeat, repeat the same way I'm playing the game. I play it radically different than Griffin. My friends play it radically different than me. That's awesome. That's cool. That's what video games should be. Let's talk about friends for a second. Folks, summons, they're cheating and you're bad. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of ways... There's a lot of ways to really turn the difficulty down in this difficult game. Um, One of them is the summons. Uh, Something that I want to try to do like maybe not in the bosses just to see what they look like. Cause I'm curious, but I'm really trying to avoid them. We t- me and Hunter talked about this I'm really trying to avoid using them on the bosses, not because uh, I need to be the best, but because I feel like if you use the summons to a certain extent, you're, you're like not having to really engage fully with the mechanics of the boss. You can start ignoring like 30 to 50% of all the bosses bullshit. Well, don't, don't and, you think that's kind of cool though, that you don't no, have to do it, that? I think it's great for certain players, but yeah. for, for, but I'm, but for me, someone that really wants to challenge themselves against the full mechanics, it feels like the difficulty slider. There is a big drop and yeah. not a little one. Well, it's not I'm, a little adjustment. And people, I think, I think a lot of players have been making the case that it's just a little adjustment. And all I want to say is it's not, it's going from like medium down to very easy. I think that that's not entirely true because the boss does get like a substantial HP boost and shit. Like it does become like 
it's definitely a lot easier, but it's definitely not. It's still a, like a major hassle. And okay, I'm like, but my I'm like I'm trying sorry. to avoid it. I'm trying to avoid it too, but I just sometimes have to like do it because I'm trying to fucking do this game for work. So but I have the to get through it. About them is super cool, and like there's even like really great narrative elements where like I met this this girl, this awesome warrior fighter who just like killed a knight, and then she's like, "Ah, oh, I'm trying to kill this guy too. Summon me, and we'll kill him together." I was like, "That'd be fucking cool narratively." Mm-hmm. I I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you guys, but. I can't stop talking about this game. What I'm trying to say is, don't you think it's really cool that you don't have to do that, Griffin? But if somebody who has never played a Souls game before definitely needs help on a boss, I need help on a boss because I'm using the fucking most dog shit weapons for the boss. They could use oh, that if they wanted totally. to. They don't have to. But and also, I want to start playing to co-op. And I want to start doing a run where I play co-op with people. We just fuck shit up and have fun. Like, yeah, that, like see, that's That's great. That's what I'm saying. It's like... I feel like people haven't even it's like a creme brulee. Everybody's just working on the sugary top right now. They haven't even gotten to the delicious custard yet. Like just because you play it once doesn't mean you stop playing these games. Like you got to play it again because like I'm I'm in the same boat. I don't want to use the summons. I don't want to summon these guys. I know I can kill this boss on my own and it, I, I want to do it. That's how I want to play this vert, like this route of the game. But when I come back and I do it again, oh, for sure, I'm going to summon. I want to see what the summons look like. I haven't used any of them. I have like 10 of them at this point. But that's another cool, like, what would a playthrough of the game be like if I only used summons? Like, what if I made a build that revolves around using summons? Yeah, what, what if, if I went more uh, magic or whatever? What if? What if you Marvel? season two <laughs> no, but, uh, that yeah. had to be the worst idea for a show I've seen yet from yeah. them Amen. that's gotta be the worst um, so yeah uh, lots of lots of options lots of stuff to do in the game um, I spent like I guess the last thing I'll say because there's a lot more to explore in the game it's a beautiful fun game I spent like four hours fighting the tree fuck the tree guy tree sentinel yeah and wow that was a psychologically taxing experience (laughs) but like i didn't want to go level up a bunch i didn't want to do a summons and when i beat him there it was baby that raw w that that hard-earned w i felt like i'd climbed mount everest and everyone listening and every gamer out there should have that experience yeah that's one of my favorite things is uh um, is like the Evergirls, like the jails that you find that have guys in them, because those are like such fun challenges, and those are like really pure inhibited, uninhibited boss fights, and they're nice because like I don't have the pressure of I need to get through this game for like because of my job, and so I can really just grind on those and like come back to them when I feel ready for them, and then like I did the the weird ice guy recently, and I had one of those like Mount Everest pops where I was like, yes, like I've fucking I've done it, I've cleared this like quest this battle that's been taking me forever. And that is the ultimate reason why this game fucking rules. And the same reason all the From Software games rule is that, like, it's really hard to make it feel like you achieved something in a game in this way and on that scale, the same way it would if you, like, won a trophy for sports or, like, did a good comedy show or whatever, or, like, did a good live show or whatever it is. Like, this game actually gives you. I wouldn't know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Sorry. I'm mostly talking just to myself. Um, But. Like this game does give you that pop of like a real sense of success and achievement 
um, because of how difficult these things are. And I think that's really cool. And honestly, super worth the psychic stress because there's so few parts in life, especially in life in COVID times where you get that pure rush of like, I did something and it's great. Uh, and it's like worth fucking getting super cranky and, and yelling at the TV and scaring your dog away. Um, if it, and you then get- watching someone on Twitter do it on one try with the Wii Fit remote. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till people are beating Elden Ring with a fucking Guitar Hero guitar. Um, but that's life. Um, so why don't we do a little bit of like, uh, I don't know, you want to do some quick specific thoughts or you want to move on to our final segment? I feel like we did a lot of specific thoughts and we're and we're at the right time. All right. It's that time. I feel, and, I, and, and I want to thank Hunter so much because Hunter, we're not going to make you stick around for the part where we talk about Attack on Titan. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sure. <laughs> if you want to, you can, but you know. I, I'll stick around. I like anime. It's fine. You're just going to hear all the spoilers. That's uh, okay. Well, I don't watch it. I, I stopped. I stopped watching it a while back, but uh, I'll well, listen. Cool. Then maybe we'll find out if Hunter is convinced to watch it after <laughs> after yeah, this. Hunter, sell sell attack of a titan. What is it? Attack of a titan. Attack, attack on, on a titan. titan. <laughs> well, our our thing is a talk on titan. A talk on titan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and also, Hunter's going to do the ad. Oh hell yeah! Let's All do right. it. Yeah, sure. To DM him the copy, <laughs> and then just sort of make it your own. You know. Yeah, for sure. Put, put that classic Hunter spin on it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, welcome back to Game Boys after what was almost certainly the best ad read we've ever had on the show. <laughs> um, cause it, it doesn't include me and Griffin cutting each other off doing pirate voices. <laughs> uh, so like huge upgrade in that respect. Um, but we're back. We just, I, I'm not in charge of the ads. I just read the scripts. I mean, in that case, literally no one's in charge of the ads um, <laughs> for this whole podcast. There's a teleprompter behind my computer and I'm just reading the lines. And, I, and frankly, I don't know who's writing them. <laughs> Um, it's cheap, cheaper than a cue card guy. SNL so wasteful. Yeah, uh, not environmentally <laughs> conscious. Sad, um, but sad <laughs> in, a, in a Trump way. Yeah, in sad. A tr- sad in a Trump way. Um, but we're back, uh, <laughs> and we just finished talking Elden Ring, and now it's time for a quick talk of Titan, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, H- Hunter, talk to us. Uh, I was a really big fan of Attack on Attack of Titan. Attack on uh-huh. Titan. <laughs> Uh, like when it was first around, because I started, re- I was, uh, I hate to break it to everybody, but I used to be kind of a big 4chan guy back in the day. Big shocker. <laughs> um, and they. Did you ever go 8 Loco? I mean, 8 no. Chan? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I used to hang out on the anime side of things. And I remember when the manga came out. And everybody was like so blown away by the manga. They were like, this shit's nuts. And I started reading it because it looked really cool. And then eventually I kind of got a little burnt out by like, um, <laughs> like the third time Aaron gets kidnapped. And I was just like, I think I'm kind of good. So mm-hmm. I think like season, this is season five, right? Season four, part two. Okay. So I think I stopped paying attention around the beginning of season three i would say he he does love to get kidnapped he's addicted to it he's addicted to it and we need to do some sort of intervention mm-hmm. yeah he's a little uh, he's a little kidnap pig uh-huh. <laughs> um well uh that's great to get your your personal history on the subject that's, you that's know, where i'm coming from okay i i, I do when i do when i talk to people about 
uh, Titan, they say that they have seen like the first season, but then they like forgot to keep watching because there was such a big gap between season one and season two mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people fell off. Um, and then I think people really rediscovered the show during season three. Uh, but uh, yeah, so here we are, folks. We've been doing it every week. And I'm getting a little scared, Lux, that we might not be doing it for that many more weeks. I think there's we'll talk- three apps left. No. Because this was, I think, episode <laughs> nine of the second part of the season. That sucks. I could be wrong. My math could be wrong. But there's, I think this is episode nine. Oh, no. I think this is episode nine of 12 that we just watched today. Oh, man. Um, And I... I know we diverge on this. I really like this episode, despite the fact that it does have some some stuff that you're correct is uh, silly. Yeah, I thought this was uh, this episode was definitely the one episode that I think you you could like probably cut out of the show and have like not much change. Um, I think most like the the Connie thing was really annoying. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we we, we can talk about it. But what what was this episode called again? This episode Let's called see. Pride. Pride. Um, so yeah, there's a few things that happen in this episode. We're we're following this uh, arc where Connie has kidnapped Falco, the young boy, and is attempting to trick him into like feeding him to his mom, who's a Titan. The idea being that if the um, mom eats eats Falco, she'll get the yeah. Jaw Titan powers and become a normal person again. It's it's a little convoluted of a of a mission to start with, um, and. I don't know. It seems just like, I guess that was Connie's deal that he liked his mom and missed his family. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Connie's obsession with trying to save his mom has been like pretty long running and well set up. I think. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I think that like the scene, I think that the scene with him, the scene with him sleeping and like reckon it's, it's funny. It was funny, the back-to-back scenes of him at the camp reconciling himself to, like, I'm going to have to kill this kid who's, like, an innocent, trusting kid who's really nice. And then them getting to the town and the kid being like, I know something's going on here, dog. Was, like, real. it's a really good illustration of Connie, Connie still being, like, pretty dumb. That, like, Connie hasn't yeah. stopped being kind of a dumb guy this whole time. Totally. Uh, and I like that. I like that, it's, like, that they're doing a good job. Like, characters are changing, but they still are retaining, like, a good amount of their essential nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of Connie's central nature, nature is that he is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he has this insane plan once he gets to his mom where he like asks Falco to brush the Titan's teeth. And so we're like imagining it's going to be this really bleak scenario where like Falco's brushing the teeth and then like Connie like pushes him in or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just very, very, very bleak. Um, and then, of course, they're interrupted by Armin and Gabby. And Armin decides in a split second to jump inside the mother's mouth instead. Well, it's not in a split second, then, though. It's carrying off of the end of last episode. Because yeah. the end of last episode, he talked about how he wasn't worthy of being alive and that the gift was like wasted on him instead of uh, Erwin. And then he has that sure. he has that flash of Irwin and he's like, now's my chance to make some use of this gift that's being wasted on me and save this mom. Yeah. Um, but then Connie stops from doing it because Connie realizes that that would be sacrificing a person. And then in realizing that realizes that also Falco is a person and that like the mm-hmm. Marley distinction is dehumanizing and bad. And I thought that, that was a really good, smart way of like making that point extremely explicit. Like 
to be fair, it's a point the show is making a lot this season, and it's an important one, but I think it was a really mm-hmm. good to show it in action in that way, especially contrast like stuff that comes later. Yeah. Um, my problem for me is they've hit this note so many times already that I didn't need to see it with another character. And I liked sort of all the ideas going on here. But then, like, once all of this is resolved, they're all just chilling at a table, like eating food together as if like nothing happened. I know it's war and I know that like everyone is learning to practice like radical forgiveness. But like there's just something about the scenes that then just make it all feel a little inconsequential yeah the 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 food scene i think is fine because like they have to be eating like they do have to eat food i think it's sort of a silly (laughs) i do think that the the silly thing about it is that annie's just there (laughs) yeah so then there's another big twist is they like are all eating together after this like big drama and they turn and like annie is like stuffing her face with food are we let are we supposed to assume (laughs) are we are we supposed to assume that this is the first time they've seen Annie since she got out? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's crazy. Well, I mean, like when else would they have seen her? I know, but it's just the drama of it <laughs> is just really bizarre. I think it's really crazy that there's only three episodes left of the show and now Annie is back. Yeah, I figured I thought she would have been out of the little ice block a lot sooner than that but okay but no most of the show she's been gone okay and every once in a while in the intervening season someone's walked by it and like looked at him and like oh annie um and but that's it um yeah a lot of people pondering the orb yeah pondering (laughs) the annie orb um god i miss the days when everyone was just pondering orbs um but yeah, I, I think that's my one part of the episode I didn't like is that I just wish they'd like run. There's so many ways, like the situation there, I guess the, there's not like an active conflict right now, but there's still stuff going on in such a way they could just run into Annie in so many different places or she could have found them or whatever. And it is kind of stupid that they just like happen to eat pie next to her. Yeah, so so they're just eating pie next to her, and then I guess it's just like we're all practicing radical forgiveness, but like Annie just slaughtered so many people, like so many of their friends just right in front of them, just really just mm-hmm. a serial killer. Um, what? And so all all this stuff, I mean, they all are, I guess, now. Yeah, the so show is just like, like very clearly kind of hand-waving or like having like off-screen scenes where people are doing this reconciliation Um, because like now you've got like Marlians and Eldians are working together by the end of the episode and all this stuff and they have like plans and they're doing schemes and like yeah. all the development of that is happening off screen which I don't think is terrible because I think that it like it's just doing like time jumpy like you see it happening so you know it happens stuff but mm-hmm. it is also like I do hope the next episode at least gives us a moment where these characters do like reconcile with all this, the sort of uh, violence and stuff that they've been through and done to each other and like like Gabby and Falco and Peak working with the scouts and Reiner and whatnot, like mm-hmm. that that the conversation before that or surrounding that while they make the plan to yeah. to get Gene out of there is like like it has to be a thing that we see because that's like such an obvious like capital M moment. Right. So yeah, there's just a lot of like I feel like stuff happening off screen that then sort of like 
starts to make things feel, I guess, a little like a little rushed at times. Um, but a lot of groups are teaming up. Um, we have a scene between, uh, well, we have a few scenes with like Levi and Hans where she's like taking care of him. And I guess this show opens on her, I guess, and Levi. Mm-hmm. And she's like killing her own scouts that are like chasing her in the woods. Um, and then... I guess they like team up with Peak, but I'm not. I don't really get the scene. Maybe you can tell that, figure it out the, more for at me. At the end of the episode? No, just um, what's happening with the scene between Levi and Peak? Oh, they definitely like Peak shows up to talk. Uh, shows up and runs into Hanja and them. Uh, the guy she's with threatens Levi. Um, and then they sort of cut away. And the implication is who knows how this went. But then we soon see afterwards that it is resolved that they have like teamed up to take out Zeke and presumably also Aaron. Um, That's the whole like we're going to save the world thing at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, like you're saying, I think you are right about this, that like the show is showing us the outcome of conversations, but not the conversations, which is good for like these kind of like surprise twisty stuff, like the stuff with Jean or whatever. But it is taking away these moments that I think I would like to see in the sense you would like to see where we get to actually have these characters reconcile these tensions. Um, yeah. Because like, you know, obviously like Aaron's going to kill the world is enough of a motivator to get people to put their shit aside. I think that that's, totally. I think that's a totally reasonable claim for the show to make. I would just like to see that process actually happen. I completely agree with you. So yeah, that's where I'm at with it, but it is very exciting to see all the different groups team up uh, and kind of come together to try to freaking save the world. Uh, But listen, like, Connie gets to have the save the world line, the biggest fucking nerd. I'm just like, come on. Well, he earned it by finally learning his lesson that actually everyone's people. This redemption arc for Connie's episode was just so quick. He gets the epic fucking line at the end. He just tried to kill a small boy. Yeah, I mean, Armin, Armin should have gotten that line because Armin, like, because the real benefit, I think the real narrative beneficiary of the Connie arc is Armin, right? Because Connie saving him, like, affirms his value as a guy. And, mm-hmm. like, Armin's understanding of himself as a valuable guy is almost certainly going to be very important at the end of the show. Um, and so Armin should have been the one to have that line, I think, because we have to see that Armin has grown into becoming a leader. But Connie grew up into being like a slightly less dumb, dumb guy. And like that's like a pretty big thing, too. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one final scene we forgot to mention with Mikasa and a girl in a hospital that was really brutal. Wasn't that, was uh, that not Historian? Huh? Who was the girl in the hospital? I thought it was Historian for some reason, but I don't think it is. Now no, Historian is like the queen or whatever. Yeah, but didn't she put on the scouting gear and get out and fight during the invasion? Maybe, but this girl was the this girl was a young girl that first saw Mikasa during the original battle of uh, whatever Trost, uh, and like always dreamt of growing up to be like Mikasa. Oh yeah, okay, right, right, right. Um, she was like, you know, the scene in one of the early seasons and Hunter will know this, too, where everyone's trying to escape. But there's this like merchant trying to get his like giant stall through the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like then Mikasa comes down, and like threatens to kill him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a little girl in that crowd who like saw Mikasa that day and then like wanted to grow up to be like her. And, then, and that's this girl in the hospital. And now she has a shrapnel wound in her lower back and can't and will die. 
Yeah. So she's like dying in the hospital and she says that like she got everything she wanted and just wanted to learn to be strong like Mikasa. And Mikasa just like takes her scarf back from the girl, just ignores her and walks out. It's like really cruel. No. Well, yeah, it's cruel to that girl, but I think it's big for Mikasa because I think that that is like. The, like that, I think to me, Red is like a hardening of her resolve that puts her in a place to team up with Armin and them for their ultimate plan. Because she's been pretty waffly about the air and stuff because of all of her emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that felt like a moment that like hardened her resolve of like what it means to be Mikasa. Yeah, good, well, yeah well, good for her, but very fucking mean to that poor girl. That's <laughs> how I cared about. Yeah, that's true. Like, like, no, that girl got done pretty dirty. Mikasa was like, great, it's time for me to be a hero. And the girl was like, I'm dying of tetanus. Yeah, it was so, and such a sad death, too. So, so like, you know, brutal. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, all the, all the pieces in the checkerboard or the chessboard, if you're an expert, uh, <laughs> are coming together. <laughs> and, uh, this was the first time where I got scared that the show was about to end because things started happening very quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. There is no official episode count, by the way, for this chunk of the season. 12 is just the speculation from trusted experts, but like whatever the company is, hasn't actually put out an episode count. How are you I'm, guys my, watching I'm hoping them? for at least five. Crunchyroll? Is it is it dubbed or is it subtitles? Right now it's, it's only subs because there's okay. no dub recorded as of yet. I got you. All right. Um, hey, but, I'll watch the last three episodes. I'd love to see how it ends. Hell yeah. Watch hell the last yeah. three episodes. <laughs> love to see how they spin their way out of this one. Because I was <laughs> very confused by the time I stopped watching. But Yeah. They make their, they make their intentions incredibly clear with the show. Okay. I mean... At the no matter how no matter how the show ends, so many people have died. Well, I I just because we're talking about it, so I googled it. I just found out the girl who eats died, and uh, in like the stupidest way possible, the, uh, uh, yeah. the meat girl Sasha. Yeah, yeah. Did she just gets shot. That's how she dies. She like, no, it's no, it does. She doesn't just get shot. It's way better than that. Yeah, no. it is. It is really good. It's one of the better moments I think of the show. But it is. If you just have it on paper out of the context of like the two or three yeah, episode arc that it happens, it's really in, it's pretty good. silly. But it's iconic. In the moment, it's very good. But it is sort of like if you abstract it, it is kind of dumb. Um, but that's true of a lot of things, uh, including this podcast, which is probably over because. Oh, thank God. I'm uh, so fucking hot because it's been we, we've done now. We've done an hour of pure content, top tier content. Um, Hunter, before we go, where can people find more of you? As I'm sure they will want to after listening to this stunning guest appearance uh, and hearing that yeah. wonderful ad read. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Hunter Edwards BB on Twitter, uh, and sometimes when I feel like it, I stream on Twitch.tv/slash Hunter Epic Twitch Gaming. Uh, come and uh, watch me. Say slurs at a Dark Souls boss. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Yep. He and, and and you know what? Twitch said that only hunters allowed to say them. Just yep. <laughs> Got a special dispensation. Yeah, you can't say it in the chat, and you can't say it on other streams. They were like, Hassan huh? personally handed me the pass. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I know I can say it. <laughs> Who's Hassan? Oh my God, this guy. Okay. Mm. Wow, real Griffin wow. hours. He's, he's saw, mean girling. He's mean girling. Hassan. Yeah. Hassan Minaj. Hassan Minaj. I, I love that show where he talks about politics. <laughs> That's right. And, um, bring it. Bring that show back. Yeah, where is that show? Whatever happened. 
Whatever happened to politics? Yeah. Oh, ain't that the truth? We're, we're post politics and we're post science. Yeah. We're <laughs> post God. most things. One thing we're not post we're, is we're at the movies and <laughs> we're at the movies. Uh, the movies. Uh, yeah, but we are at also the end of the show plugs, which I will do because now I have them memorized. If you want to find more from Haley, you can find her on YouTube and Instagram at Eat Every Sound. If you want more of Griffin, which you certainly do. Uh, well, probably a little less than you want more of Haley, but you still probably want it. Uh, you can find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash room where he streams or on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis. And if for some perverse reason you want to find more of my shit, I'm on Twitter at tailboy. That's T-A-I-L underscore B-O-I. And I stream on Twitch with our friend Forrest Walker at twitch.tv slash pixel goblins on, mon- on Wednesdays, some weekend days, and hopefully soon Mondays also for our new tactical genius stream. Um, so check that out if you want and we'll see you guys next week goodbye